Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to the Christmas Movie Countdown here at Allentown Presents. I'm your host, Katie, and I am joined by Emma. What's up? And we will be reviewing a new Christmas movie every night from December 1st to Christmas. So sit back and enjoy episode five, The Noel Diary. So The Noel Diary is a brand new rom-com on Netflix that came out at the end of November, like two days before or maybe the day before Thanksgiving. And it sat in Netflix's top 10 for like two solid weeks like (laughs) it is still I think in the top 10 right now Mm -hmm. and people just can't stop watching it and I get it um I have an obsession with Justin Hartley a little bit I've loved that dude ever since I saw him as uh the Green Arrow in Smallville and I've watched I've tried to watch all the shows that he's ever been in I absolutely love him in This Is Us. Like mm-hmm. he's just very nice to look at and he's an excellent <laughs> actor. <laughs> he's got a smile, man. I swear. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Noel Diary follows Justin Hartley, who plays a famous auth- author, Jake Turner. And he's kind of um, like a romancy Stephen King. He does like rom- thrillers, but there there's like a romance side to it. And he does this big series uh, that he's super popular for. Like everywhere he goes, people recognize him basically. Mm-hmm. And it is all about him having to clear up kind of his past his mom and his childhood basically he's trying to remedy things from his childhood so emma what did you think about the noel diary i loved it i really did it was very cute um i attached to this story in a very different way and i did not know (laughs) that i would um it kind of fucked me up Like, I was a big old sappy mess for half of this movie. But Noah's super cute. It was... Like, there are no major twists and turns. Spoiler. But there was one little moment towards the beginning of this movie where I was like, oh, oh, come on. Don't. (laughs) No. And then it fixed itself, so yeah with within like five minutes and i was like okay okay yeah nearly nearly missed that one but no i really did like it it was very cute yeah uh i really liked this film and i think that the the writing for most of it was probably the best rom-com that netflix has done like writing wise the the way i don't know if it's like the chemistry between Justin Hartley and Barrett Doss um or if it was just the way that they were written the way that they were directed or all three but I actually believed that this was like a blossoming relationship and not just two people trying to act like they were falling in love right um like a couple of the movies we've already watched that were a little forced (laughs) yeah this one came very naturally i feel like um and it was super cute up until like the end where netflix just like goes off the rails at the end of movies and (laughs) i don't know what the fuck that's about (laughs) but i really liked this film all right so now we will get into it oh i think you should watch this film um yes please before i talk about it so you don't i don't just ruin it but (laughs) it's super cute i will warn you it does deal with parental death and sibling loss sibling loss and adoption Mm -hmm. uh so if any of those things are triggering for you it's gonna fuck you up but (laughs) it was a good movie 
Yes. Okay, so this movie opens up on Justin Hartley or Jake Turner, and he is at a book signing, and he's it's the release of his newest novel, and everybody is like clamoring to see him. He's super fucking popular. There are people like cosplaying his characters, like that's how big <laughs> of a deal he is. And you know, he's being super sweet and signing all his things. And then he leaves and he goes home and he's like, I got to make it back to my girl, Ava. And all of his female fans are like, I didn't know you had a girlfriend, like freaking out Um, because they were all hitting on him, of course. And he gets back home and his girl, Ava, is his dog. And she's a very beautiful, beautiful puppy. (laughs) Like, that's such a cute dog. Mm hmm. Uh. And he lives in this huge ass house all by himself. Um, he's got they do like a sweep of his of his house to show off all his things. And he's like your classic writer. He's got like a whole bunch of t- like vintage typewriters, and he's got like Funko Pops of Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> and <laughs> all these different things. Um, but he has a big ass house, and he's all by himself. And when he gets home. He has like a cleaning lady who kind of runs his house while he's like on book tours and takes care of Ava and does all these things. Um, And they're talking and she offers to stay with him for the holidays because, you know, she doesn't want him to be alone. And he's like, no, it's cool. I've got Ava. Like, I'll be all right. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever you say. And she leaves. (laughs) So he is reading his fan mail. And he falls asleep on his couch. And when he wakes up in the morning, it's to a phone call. And he doesn't recognize the number, so he ignores it. And then it rings again. And he answers it. And someone is asking him about, ooh, that introduces himself as like an insurance person. And a lawyer. A lawyer. That's what it is. And Jake is like. Executor of his mother's estate. Well, he said first he says lawyer and Jake is just like, I don't need a lawyer. Like, I'm good. I've got everything figured out. Like, (laughs) you might want to represent me because I'm famous, but like, I'm good. And he kind of brushes him off and he's like, no, no, no. Um, I'm the lawyer of your, I'm the executor of your mother's estate. And Jake did not know that his mom had passed away. Yep. So he is learning this for the first time from the lawyer from the executor of her estate so jake is you know he talks to the executor and he realizes or finds out his mom has left him everything so he heads back to his hometown and we find out that he has not been there since he was 17 he's what almost 40 at this point yeah possibly 40 (laughs) Or in his 40s. And he hasn't been there in like like a solid 25, 30 years. (laughs) So he gets to his mom's house and the executor like gives him the keys, unlocks the door and all these things and is talking with him and they go inside the house. And his mom was a hoarder. Like not a super gross hoarder because it's a Netflix film and it takes literal years to get a house looking like a super gross hoarder house mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was definitely like buy things in bulk and stack it up everywhere type <laughs> hoarder there was just shit everywhere in this house so the executor kind of laughs uh laughs it off and is like yeah it looks like you have a lot of work ahead of you um do you want me to order you like a big dumpster and he's like yeah do that so he kind of starts going through things and then he takes a breather because he can't handle the inside of the house when he goes out he realizes or he sees his next door neighbor that was his next door neighbor his whole life like when he or when he was growing up and they start a conversation and you know they're talking about his mom's death and the funeral and how his dad was there and they like caught back up and the dad was doing okay and how she thinks that the dad only came to the funeral because he was hoping that Jake would be there. And, you know, they have this really sweet, like, 
almost motherly son friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can tell she cares a lot about the well-being of hi- of Jake and they just hit it off. He keeps or she keeps coming over and kind of helping him sort through things and like she's bringing him dinner and stuff and eventually he helps her write an online dating profile because he's younger than she is and he's an author so like he could write up a great dating profile he gets through a few boxes and he finds a handwritten journal and he doesn't really like stop and read it. He just kind of glances through it, notices that it's handwritten and then throws it in his bag. Like maybe it's his mom's or his dad's or somebody's or even his when he was a kid. He just like threw it in a, in his backpack and was like, cool, I will look at this later and it'll be great. And he's kind of rummaging through memories and seeing all these different things. This is where we find out that he had a brother. Uh, or has a brother um, because there's pictures in this like memory book that he finds of his mom and him and a brother and you know he's just kind of lamenting about all the memories and he goes out to get some fresh air and he notices there's a woman across the street like looking at his house or at his mom's house and he's like this is fucking weird (laughs) okay (laughs) okay creepy lady uh and he goes back in the house and keeps working you know like i don't know a few minutes go by and this woman who was across the street knocks on the door and he meets her and we find out her name is rachel and she has come to this house looking for any trace of her birth mother um she she knows that her birth mom gave her up when she was very young she had a baby supposedly really young she was 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. um and then she rachel was adopted like immediately after birth rachel was adopted and because she was adopted her adoption and her mom was a minor at the time. Her adoption records are completely sealed. So she has been unable to find any information about her mom. But she has a friend who works at the county clerk's office, basically, and got her last known residence uh, address to Rachel. So Rachel... This, this is the point right here where I was like, this twist better not happen right now. Like... Oh, yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't don't do that right now. Like, this is too cute already. Yeah. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Rachel's mom's last known address is Jake's house. And she had found out that her mom used to work for Jake's family as a nanny and jake has no memory of this he was apparently too small to remember any of this happening and um he's like well i don't remember that i would have been too little but bet like we can look around some boxes and like see if we can find anything because my mom kept literally everything So they start looking through boxes and boxes and boxes and Rachel is helping, is helping them. And eventually Jake gets the idea, oh, well, you know who would know? Uh, Ellie, my next door neighbor. She's been here forever. She might remember your mom. So they go over and they talk to Ellie and Ellie is like, yes, I do remember her. Um, taking care of you guys she was such a sweet girl and uh her name had something to do with christmas it was like christina or angelica or angelina or something like that i don't really remember and rachel's just like cool that's a little bit more information than i had before i'll take it so they are continuing to clean through the house rachel is still helping um 
<clears throat> still helping him out. And they're cleaning and cleaning and cleaning, looking for more information, and they can't find anything. And after seemingly a couple of days, Ellie comes over and brings them lunch, and they're talking about, you know, what who might have information about Rachel's mom. And Ellie's like, you know who would know? Your dad. And Jake is like, mm that's a big no stop i don't talk to him we don't talk we are not cool like that no thank you i don't want to know about anything that has to do with my dad i don't give a fuck and rachel is just like but dude like i know you don't care about your dad and that's fine but like i really want to know about my mom so if we could go see him that would be great and eventually she kind of breaks him down they have been flirting this whole cleanup like there's definitely some flirting happening and you can see the spark starting of a relationship and the only reason something hasn't happened already is because rachel is engaged to a banker accountant to an accountant like where she actually lives um and she you know grew up as a as an adoptee she's never known her birth parents and all these different things so she just wants stability and Mm. her accountant fiance is he's filling all of those gaps like he's kind of boring but he's filling all those gaps for her so after you know talking him down for forever jake finally agrees he's like okay We'll go see my dad. I need to figure it out anyways. Right? Like, it would be good for me. I'm, like, in my 40s. I should probably, like, be the man about it. (laughs) I should probably be the man about it. So, they start this road trip. I don't know what city they're in to start, but they have to go to, like, Connecticut. Yeah. To see his dad which is a significant road trip it's going to take them a couple of nights so they start this road trip and in the car they're getting to know each other more than they did while they were packing they're learning all these different things about their lives and um they're definitely like you know at the start of a friendship you don't know anything about these people but you're getting to know them as the longer you spend time with them and The first night they get to this little town and they, you know, stop for dinner and they ask if they can keep driving before a storm hits. And the answer is no, because it's always no. Don't drive before a storm. That's like a Mm -hmm. good way to die. (laughs) If I have learned anything, like I'm in California, so we don't really got to worry about storms. Like it's never bad, so bad that like your whole life just has to stop for a minute. (laughs) But if I ever go to the East Coast during the winter, I know good and well you don't go out if it's about to storm. You just hunker down. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> trying to get like killed on the side of the road because yeah, no, I hit an ice slick or the wind knocked my car off the street. Like, no, <laughs> I'm good. So they um, go and eat dinner and it's super cute. And then they go find a hotel, like the little inn, bed and breakfast in town, and they end up getting adjoining rooms. And he makes a fucking comment when they are checking in, like, if this was a rom-com, you'd only have one room. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And the guy at the desk was like, a what? A rom-com? He's like, yeah, a romantic comedy. Like, you know, there's only ever one room and they end up having to share rooms, a room, and then they end up in love or whatever. Mm-hmm. it was silly so they get adjoining rooms and she is staying up what was it no she they walk around this like christmas town because the t- of course the town that they stop in is this little tiny christmas town and they're enjoying you know all the sights and sounds of this christmas town um she wanders off to a bookstore and buys a f- a copy of his first book like the beginning of the series and it was like you know she just found out that he's super famous 
author she's been like playing it down or he's been playing it down because she didn't recognize him at all <laughs> and he he's just like yeah uh i write i'm an artist and she just like oh well my parents are artists i get it like i'm gonna treat you like you're a broke artist we'll just split everything so you don't have to like pay for any of my shit it'll be fine little does she know he's actually a rich ass author because hmm. yeah he writes a lot of shit so she buys his book and kind of hides it from him she doesn't want him to know that she bought the book because she's curious about how he writes and how good of an author he is and then they meet up in the town square because they're doing a showing in the park of it's a wonderful life and like where is this happening because like this is the magical christmas town i want to be in exactly like <laughs> that's how cute so they're sitting down watching it's a wonderful life it's like the two of them and the dog and slowly as the movie progresses less and less people are sitting on these benches out in the cold watching this movie rachel has never seen this movie and it's of course one of jake's favorites and he's just like i can't believe you've never seen this so they sit and watch the whole thing and rachel's like holy shit that was like the best movie i've ever seen in my life and he's like i know right so they walk back to the hotel and they go into their separate rooms and jake stays up journaling he's writing you know uh not in the journal that he found but he's just he's an author so he writes constantly yeah he's like pinning what to do for his next novel yeah and he's kind of writing a little bit about like the the trip that they're on the things that are going on currently right now and uh he hears noise from the other room like an like a gasp and an oh no and he jumps up and he goes to the adjoining door and he's like hey what is everything okay and she's like oh yeah i'm fine it's it's cool and rather than shutting the door she like tries to shut the door but it doesn't end up closing all the way so there's like a crack and you know he goes back to writing and she goes back to reading his book and She's, you know, kind of gasping again, like, you know, the twists and turns of a suspense novel, basically. <laughs> and he ends up looking through the crack and seeing um, first her very sexy legs. And then secondly, the fact that she's reading his book and he's like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning uh, they get back to the car and they're both really tired and He's like, hey, did you sleep okay? And she's like, uh, sure. Actually, no. I stayed up all night reading. And he was like, oh, really? What did what were you reading? And he's like, your book. Like, check <laughs> it out. I read your whole book. You are a really good writer. And now I need to know what happens next. Like, <laughs> so now she is one of his fans and kind of obsessed. And he admits that he is also tired because he stayed up and was writing like late into the night so now they start the second leg of their journey and they stop for gas or i think it's gas and uh jake needs her to grab his wallet out of his backpack so she grabs his backpack out of the back seat and when she does it kind of dumps on the floor so she finds his wallet and she hands it to him so he can take care of gas. And she notices a like the journal and she starts reading it, um, you know, kind of sneakily because she thinks that it's his journal and it's private. So she's like, mm, I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm doing this. And she like kind of starts swiping through it. And she's like, bro, this is my mom's journal. <laughs> like her name was Noel and this is oh, her diary yeah this is her diary like boom and now we know why the fucking movie is called the noel diary mm -hmm. so we're reading through this she's reading through this diary as we go on this journey and we're you know learning more and more about her life her mom's life and even jake's life because she does mention the kids in her diary because this was take like happening 
while she was pregnant and during the time when she was watching Jake and his brother. And here is where we find out what happened to Jake's brother. So she, in the diary, the mom mentions the brother and Rachel is like, wait, you have a brother? Why didn't, you know, where's he at? How come he's not helping you clean the house or do any of that? And then Jake has to tell her, my brother died when he was seven. Which is like, holy fuck, that got depressing real quick. Yup. And he tells this story about this big oak tree that used to be in their front yard. And um, his brother used to climb it all the time. He used to love to climb the tree. And around Christmas time, he went up to hang his favorite ornament on the Christmas tree. And he died. And that's all we get from Jake because he is just like really sad. He's like crying. It's like real bad. You know, if you watch Justin Hartley in anything, especially This Is Us, you know he's really good at the like, I'm strong, but I'm fucking sad and like tearful thoughtfulness. You know, he's really good at that. So that's what this is right here. Oh, yeah. And it is heartbreaking. And Rachel's just like, bro, holy shit. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, it's bad. So they get a little more ways down the road. And uh, what happens? Oh, they end up at another town Mm -hmm. because they can't go. They're not going to be able to get all the way to Connecticut or to his dad's house tonight. So they get another town. And of course, in this town, there's only one room. And Justin's like, or Jake is like, no, God damn it. I jinxed myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's trying to respect the fact that she is engaged because he, clearly there is sparks flying. They've already almost kissed. And he is attempting to not be a bad person. <laughs> so... Oh no! Wait, maybe that's later. Just kidding. No, uh, when they sh- when they share the one room, it's after they had almost kissed. Um, yeah, but it's isn't that after the dad though? When they almost kissed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because they okay. they they went and talked to his. It was on the way to seeing his dad that they almost kissed. Because they were, uh, his dog saw the rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In the field. And he okay. got like super hyped about her because she whistled at his dog and his dog was like, oh shit. And he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're on the, after the first, um, the first night, they mm-hmm. keep driving and they pull over to a field because, um, Rachel gets to a part in the diary that she just like it it overwhelms her. She needs some fucking air. So they stop and she gets out and she's like, I just need a minute to breathe. Like, this is so overwhelming. I'm learning so much. And it's just like, whew, I can't right now. So they get out and Ava sees a rabbit and starts to chase it. And Jake is trying to call Ava back and Rachel like whistles and then yells hella loud at Ava and Ava's like, oh, that was authority. I need to get back to to over to where I'm going. And immediately Jake is like, damn, like I was already falling for this woman, but this woman just like snapped my dog out of the trance of a rabbit like that. Yeah, I I'm feeling it. Yeah. And um. He's like hugging her because she's emotionally distraught over what she read in the diary. And it's cold. And it's cold. And they get very, very close to kissing. And she's like, "Mm, I'm engaged. Like, no, she says, I'm supposed to be engaged. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to be engaged. Um, And he's like, oh, yeah, right. Um, Let's get back in the car. So they get back in the car and they make it to his dad's house. And there is some 
you know, trepidation on his part about going to see his dad because they have not spoken in over 30 years or however long it's been. Um, and she encourages him to go and she's like, I'll just hang out here with Ava. Like me and Ava will hang out in the car. We'll give you guys some space. It'll be fine. So he goes and he knocks on the door and nobody answers. So he's not there and okay. He goes back to the car and they just hang out for a minute. Uh, And then he gets back out of the car or no, they fall asleep is what it yeah. is because it's like they're tired or whatever. And he wakes up to a banging sound uh, in the distance and he gets out of the car and he realizes it's the sound of wood being chopped. So he follows the sound and he finds his dad chopping a tree down <laughs> um, in the forest. And his dad has him help him get the tree in the house and they put it up and now he has a Christmas tree. And the dad lets him know, yeah, Ellie called me and told me that you might be coming. So I decided like, you know, we need a Christmas tree and you know, all these different things. And the dad is like trying really hard to make everything happy for Jake. And Jake is just pissed off. Like I like this is you're trying really hard to make this be like when we were kids when I was a kid, but I hate you. So go fuck yourself, basically. And the dad breaks down and like explains why he left and everything that kind of happened with it yeah so we get a bigger backstory on what happened with jake's brother so the guilt of jake's brother's death has basically ruined his family yeah his dad felt like it was entirely his fault for not stopping his brother from climbing the tree. Like the kid was seven and he loved to climb that tree. He used to climb it every single day all the time. But he didn't stop him when he wanted to go out and put this ornament on the tree. He didn't think anything of it because the kid climbs the tree all the time. It's like, okay, whatever. It doesn't matter that a storm had happened, like it had snowed or whatever. And like the kid will be fine because he climbs it all the time. So the kid climbs it. And all the steps in the tree are like slippery as hell because it's icy. And he gets up to the top and the kid steps out on the branch, like the big sturdy branch to hang the ornament on and the tree snaps and they don't show what happens. They, I mean, they show the kid falling, but they don't show the kid on the ground. Thank God. Like, I don't need to see a kid like splatted on the ground. Um, But the audience can imagine, like, he died from his fall from this, like, 15, 20-foot tree. And the dad was so distraught with guilt, he couldn't function. And the mom was so fucked up with guilt that she also couldn't function, which is why she turned to hoarding. And the dad couldn't handle it, and he left. Um, And it had nothing to do with his feelings towards Jake as a child and everything to do with how he was processing his grief um, about his son's loss, the loss of his son. And Jake is like, yeah, I guess I never looked at it that way. To me, it just felt like you were abandoning me. You left me with her and you knew she was a hoarder and you knew that these things were going to happen and you didn't do anything to stop it. And the dad's like, I'm so sorry. Uh, I wrote you letters like all the time. I wrote you hundreds of letters and I never heard from you. I just assumed you didn't want to talk. You didn't want to hear from me. And Jake's like, what letters? What are you talking about? I never got any letters. I never, I never saw. What are you talking about? And he, you know, they kind of work it out that somewhere along the line, these letters never made it to Jake and had they made it to Jake, their relationship probably wouldn't 
have just been fucked like it has been for the last 30 years. So they kind of reconcile and Jake is explaining, you know, the reason he really came out here is to help a friend. So the dad's like, oh, yeah, you're helping a friend. Cool. Like, what's that about? And he's like, oh, yeah, let me go get her. And fucking Rachel been in the car for question mark hours. Right. <laughs> um, She comes in and they kind of explain the story. Um, You know, we're searching for Rachel's mom, Noel, and we just, you know, we want to know more about her. We're trying to find her. And the dad goes and grabs a wedding invitation that he received from Noel to her new husband and it has their address on it and she's like holy shit like we're getting so close I have we're almost to finding my mom like I cannot wait and you know they've made their peace they have a good dinner with dad and then they leave um you know because they have to go find Noel. So they leave and then they get to a hotel. And of course, at this hotel, there's only one bed, like one room with one bed. And Justin's like, oh, I'm trying to be respectful. You're engaged. We should not be sleeping in the same room. Mm -hmm. And Rachel's like, you know what? Let's it's fine. It'll be fine. We're adults. We can do we can handle it. And of course, they cannot handle it. Because the tension between these two is too hot, guys. It's too oh, much it to handle. Palpable. Yeah. So they stay in this room and they're like talking and she's like, hey, you want to dance? And they she turns on some music and they start dancing. And it's getting like the dancing is getting very, very close and sensual. Mm-hmm. And he almost like he gets very close like he's about to kiss her and then he kind of backs away and she's like nah fuck it and she leans in and kisses him all the way and then they just go at it like they kiss they have sex um and then fall asleep and when he wakes up in the morning she is gone and she has left boo yeah exactly she has left the noel diary on his bedside table with a note inside it in the note it says um last night was wonderful uh you're wonderful like everything was great um but i can't do this um in reading the diary i you know i discovered that she did my mom did love me uh very much and that she always will and that's really all I needed to know. So I'm going to stop this quest for my mom. And I'm going to go back to my accountant fiance and my adoptive parents. And that's it. Like, I'm done. And Jake's like, what the fuck? When she said, I need something I can count on. I was like, you bitch. You can count on the fucking multiple New York Times bestselling author, Jake Turner. Correct. Yes, with the With the giant, like, $4 million house. You can count on him. You sure can. Repeatedly. You dumb bitch. (laughs) I was so (laughs) mad at this part. I was like, she's giving up not only on love with Jake Turner, because clearly there is some serious love there, but she's also giving up on fucking finding her mom. That's been the whole point of this movie. What the fuck? Yep. This is the part where Katie gets really angry. (laughs) Yep. So Jake is like heartbroken, but he understands, of course, like he knows that that was out of bounds and she was engaged and that probably nothing would really happen um but he has for sure like fallen all the way in love with her oh yeah so he goes to noel's house and because he has the wedding invite of course like they have the address and he goes to noel's house and her husband um this is all done off screen. We find out about it a minute, a few minutes later. Um, and the husband tells him where to find Noel. 
So he rolls into a hospital and we're just like, what the fuck? Why is he in a hospital? Did Rachel die? Like what, what's happening? And he gets to the nurse's station and he asks for Noel. And we finally meet Noel. Now they have a long conversation um, on the roof at this hospital. And she talks about how they were as kids and how um, when she was pregnant with Rachel, she was going through a lot of emotional distress about giving up the baby. And like her parents basically uh, kicked her out and didn't, you know, they didn't believe that uh, a child out of wedlock should exist. So they had kicked her out and that's why she was working as a nanny and all these different things. And um, she let Jake know that he has always been super empathetic because even when she was 17 and he was four, every time she was in her feelings, he would hug her and make her feel better. Like, you know, little kids, they're great. And, you know, he was talking to her about this journey that he'd been on with Rachel and all these different things. And, um, she basically tells him, if you see Rachel again, or if you speak with Rachel again, please let her know that I would love to meet her. And, I think about her every day and I love her and I miss her and all these different things. And it's like, yeah, okay. That's adorable. So I lost it at this point in the movie. Like this was, this hit way too close. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Being adopted that I was like, uh, buh, buh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I boohooed very hard. Yeah. So Jake takes this information with him and heads back to his mom's house because he still has to finish cleaning up her estate. When he gets home, he is rummaging through boxes and he finds a box full of unopened letters from his dad. And he starts reading them much like fucking uh the notebook mm-hmm. when she gets all those letters the 365 days worth of letters from noah uh he reads all these letters from his dad and it's just like fuck i have like 20 years of resentment built up uh, towards my dad that doesn't deserve to be there because he loved me like all like these letters prove it there were he was letting me know everything about his life and he was trying to keep to keep some sort of relationship going and mom hid them away uh which was super fucked up of his mom like that's bullshit um but in all these things he finds a quote at the bottom of a letter that like something about love i don't remember the exact quote something about love and it like ignites a spark in him so he finishes the house he finishes taking all the things out of the house um he grabs like an old typewriter that was his in high school and the box of letters and all these different things he packs them up in in his car and he leaves and then we cut to rachel and it is like christmas eve christmas it's very close to christmas and Rachel is sitting at her adoptive parents' house and they're chit-chatting about um, life and about her fiancé coming. And every time they bring up the fiancé, she's her reaction is just kind of meh. Like, he's he'll be here when he's here. Yeah. And the parents are both like, is everything okay? Like... You don't seem to be too happy about the fact that he's coming. Um, you know, what's what's going on? And she's like, it's fine. It's I'm fine. It's it's blah, 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 right. So there's a phone call and it's from Jake and she ignores it. And she calls he calls again and she ignores it. And the parents are like, Are you gonna get that? Like, why are you ignoring calls from your fiance? 
and she's like it's nothing it's it's not it's not that and he finally calls again a third time and she's like okay i'll answer it like excuse me i gotta take this so she walks away from the table and she's talking to him on the phone she's like i need you to stop calling me uh don't try to find me like blah 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 and guess what jake has already found her he's literally standing outside her window and in a very um love actually moment which is honestly the worst part of love actually but keeps getting (laughs) it always gets like mimicked on Mm -hmm. in commercials and shit jake professes his love to rachel and he's like like i don't care if you're mad at me or if you don't want to find your mom or whatever but you cannot deny that there is a serious spark between us i have realized over the last few days that i want you in my life blah 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 um i love you and he basically gives her an ultimatum and he's like tell me you don't love me and i'll leave and i'll never come back like if you if you tell me you don't love me and they're both like crying about this you know they're in tears just like fucked up over it and um a car pulls up and she's like that's my fiance i don't love you and she hangs up the phone and walks away and he cries and he walks away and he gets in his car and he leaves and um he goes back to his mom's house because it's the closest i think Mm -hmm. and it was nighttime he goes back to his mom's house and he goes to bed or whatever and then it's the next day and there's a knock at the door and it's rachel and she explains that she left her fiance and like that's over with and then he smiles and the movie ends because fucking netflix Y'all out here with your build-up and your fucking garbage finish. Yeah. Like, I'm so frustrated (laughs) at the ending of this movie. But anyways, (laughs) we'll talk about that in a minute. It's a great movie, though. It was great until the last, like, ten minutes. Correct. Uh, Emma, who was your favorite character? I mean, it's a tough one, but uh, Rachel. Yeah. I just... She was so much for Jake, not just like as a romantic interest, but like he, even in the five minutes of the movie that was there before, before Rachel got there, she just, she softened him so much in like two minutes. Yeah. And... You can see hints of like who he really is when he gets to his house the first time, like all his records of Nina Simone and everybody. And then just in that moment when he's like playing the piano and she's singing, it's, it's such a moment that like, she does this huge thing for his soul. And I just, I don't know. I loved it. So if I could play the fucking piano and otis just like started singing to my playing piano like the the first time we met or whatever the fuck like that's it's done like oh yeah sign sealed delivered man are you kidding me with that like you just flawlessly came in with this like nina simone like level voice and just beasted your way through this song with me like come on yeah come on that would be signed sealed delivered and done yeah immediately. yeah so my favorite character was jake mm-hmm. um i think he played the broody like i don't talk to my parents because they fucked up my life they fucked up my childhood very well um and his particularly justin hartley's ability to go from like stone cold nothing phases me to i'm actually a really caring loving individual who just hasn't been shown the right amount of love by anyone in my life yeah like oh it's so good yeah it's so good 
All right. Emma, who's your least favorite character? I don't know. So I I sat and thought and sat and thought, I don't know that I have a least. Mm-hmm. Alan was obnoxious because he was in the way of the two of them getting together in the first place. Oh, yeah. The unseen fiance. Yes. Yeah. The one that she complained about that she never seemed happy about. And then when she was upset and her parents are like, well, I thought you guys had worked through it. I'm like, okay, you shouldn't be here. Um, he w- just his character and like his existence. I was like, why are you here? But yeah. it's not that he was a bad person per se. It just, I don't know. I was irritated that he was even like mentioned. Yeah. But yeah. that and the the aftermath of things that grief can cause, that would have to be my other like unforeseen things that grief can cause. Yeah. So other than that, I didn't really have a least favorite. My least favorite was the ending. Yep. (laughs) This movie. Okay. So this movie runs an hour and 40 minutes, basically. And for an hour and 30 minutes, the plot of this movie is for Jake fixing his childhood trauma and becoming less of a like not alone anymore falling in Mm -hmm. love and rachel's plot is finding her adoptive mother yeah and she has a little bout of infidelity and immediately is like you know what i don't need to find my mom yeah i think i've been dreaming about my whole fucking life nah it's not important like i had sex with jake nah i'm good like yeah Return to my normal life. I don't need to know who my mom was. What? What? Especially since Jake fucking found the mom and actually had a conversation with Noelle. Yeah. Like, what the shit? Why wouldn't you? Why? Why, 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 why wouldn't you have finished this movie with her meeting her mom? Yeah. Why did you just give up on that plot line completely? And not that I don't love professions of love. I do. But, like, that was so over the fucking top. Yep. Like, rather than her rejecting him in that moment, like, if I could change the ending of this movie, I would... So he professes his love to her, right, outside the window while they're on the phone. Um, And rather than her saying, I do not love you... She should have said, give me a minute. Yep. Hung up the phone, walked out the door, broken up with Alan, and then ran into his arms. Yep. And the ending of the movie should have been them going back to the hospital to meet Noel. 100%. It would have taken the exact amount of time that it took for her to say no, him to say boo-hoo, and him to go back to the house and pout and walk outside to put a shit in his car and see her standing across the street from the fucking thing yeah. and have them only smile at each other for no fucking relief of anything. It would have taken the same amount of time. Yeah, it was. It would have served the plot much better. The ending of this was just so upsetting. And like yep. this, this movie is based on a book. Yeah. Um, by richard paul evans and i have not read the book admittedly if the book ends this way like richard paul evans you fucked up hardcore because that's not how this should have ended if they were going to end up in love together like supposedly they do because she pops up back at the house and smiles at him Mm -hmm. why not just do it then there was no need for this buildup of no i don't love you like what, what was the point of that grief because well, let let me let me tell you, as someone who is adopted, who did not meet their birth mother until I was 19 years old, when you finally get to that point where you say, I want to know, it doesn't fucking matter. 
if a person, somebody's dick, some something happens along the way, or this diary that like clarifies, yes, your birth mother loved you or whatever, there is nothing at all that would be able to stop the person from needing to at least meet that person yeah nothing yeah the the ending of this movie was (sighs) stupid oh it was fucking stupid when he professed his love to her she should if she was gonna break up with her fiance and come to his house the next day to be in love with him like yeah. what what was the point of those 12 anguish hours what yeah why? why why would you make your main characters do that why would you force jake who has already gone gone through the loss of losing his seven-year-old brother his older brother and his mom and dealing with his like this loss of his dad that he's dealt with forever. Why the fuck would you make him go through those 12 hours? That is so stupid. The only reason to make characters do that is if you have like 45 minutes left of the movie where something within those 12 hours where you see the argument between her and Alan, where you see her struggling with this and she calls him and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Where there's just this big, like, you would need 45 minutes left in the movie if you're going to do something like that with the two main characters that yeah. everyone knows are already going to end up together. Absolutely. Uh, basically, she should have hung up the phone, broken up with Alan, ran into his arms and kissed him, and mm. then they go find noel and they end up that it should have ended on like noel and her husband and rachel and jake at christmas dinner and they're like his dad yeah getting to know each other with his dad exactly like when when ellie invited him to christmas dinner it should have been ellie and her man and then all of them at this christmas dinner just talking together that would have been there's there's your perfect wrap up yeah yeah uh this the ending was just trash. Netflix yep. cannot make a decent ending to a movie so far. Like yep. to, to a rom-com, I'm convinced. Or at least yep. a Christmas one. Um, because these have been trash so far. We've done <laughs> this is our third, I think. Yeah. This is our third it's Christmas rom-com, and all three of them have sh- just sucked. <laughs> it's so frustrating because I'm like, y'all are on the right track here, movie-wise. You're 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 yes. But why do you continue to do this hour and 30 minute cap? Yeah. When it's like, y'all are just, no. This one had an extra 10 minutes and fucked up the last 10 minutes. Like, Yeah. <laughs> you like, had a golden on, opportunity. Guys. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, because it's Netflix, you know the drill, guys. There's no budget or box. So seven word synopsis. I have two. And my first one goes exactly from what i was just saying why can't netflix end a damn movie yep <laughs> and then my last one love blossoms and takes over mom plot yep because what the fuck Emma. agreed so i have man loses mother gains a new perspective yep Great movie, great couple, stupid fucking ending. Yep. The sexiest thing is a music moment. Absolutely. And then my alliterative, stunning stranger seeks sire, stirs suppressed sentiments. (laughs) Wow. That was incredible. Yeah. I am always so impressed with your alliterative ones. (laughs) It's the teacher in me yeah do you have anything else to say about the noel diary watch every single part of it and then write to your local netflix person who there isn't any but just flood netflix with it should have ended differently because make it change yeah uh same alternative ending please 
I just can't. Like, y'all should have fixed this because that's not how this should have ended. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about what we should watch next, you can hit us up on Twitter at Allentown Pod, on Facebook at Allentown Presents, or you can send us an email at allentownpresents at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to episode five of our annual Christmas movie countdown. We will be back again tomorrow with another Christmas movie. Bye. Toodaloo.